This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Good morning. Today I'm joined by members of the Life Jacket Theater Company. They've launched the outreach initiative that's combining art and activism. The storytelling project is helping young people in underserved communities tell their personal stories. Travis Russ is an associate professor at Fordham University. He's also artistic director at Life Jacket Theater Company. And Drew Drake is an actor, poet, and teaching artist. Welcome to Fordham Conversations, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you. So can you tell me how the project got started? Sure, we actually launched this several years ago, but we were pretty much exclusively focusing on college students. And then the world changed. And we really wanted to uh, redirect those resources to underserved communities. Uh, because those are the young people uh, who are going to lead our country. Uh, and uh, I think it's our responsibility to help them tell their undertold stories. And that's really why we started this initiative. So describe to me, um, like how the whole thing started. I mean, you, yeah, you were thinking about college students, but we've talked before, Travis, and you had a storytelling project at Fordham. So how did it launch from there to this much bigger, bigger arena? Sure. And maybe to take one step back with Life Jacket Theatre Company, we're, we're interested in, in, in focusing on real events and real people's stories. And so this educational uh, outreach initiative is really kind of a natural extension of our theatre company. Uh, and the more I taught college students and heard their stories, it's really the best way to connect with people, to hear their life journey. And then I thought, you know what, let's, let's continue growing the company. Let's continue uh, uh, adding more folks to our teaching artist staff. And that's how Drew and I met. Uh, and let's make inroads with community organizations across the United States and see if we can take what worked at Fordham and implement it in community organizations across the U.S. And that's what we're doing. So, Drew, were you part of Life Jacket before this or no? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I just recently came a part of Life Jacket, but beforehand, this moment, I was teaching with a couple of different other organizations. Um, so I was working with Urban Word NYC, which I still work with. I work with this prison organization called Rehabilitation of the Arts, which works with incarcerated folks here in New York State. Um, and then I work with the spot called Luminar, which works with middle school and high school students in Staten Island. Um, and so it felt like a, a beautiful transition into Life Jacket. Yeah, it was kind of an easy transition. So how many young people are part of the storytelling project right now? Right now we're working with uh, about 10 to 12 organizations and uh, it ranges that each workshop is about 15 to 20, 25 students per session. Uh, and so it's really an ongoing initiative. So it's hard to, to nail down a specific number. The good thing is, is that we're working with students in the New York City, the tri-state area. And we're also working with students across the US like New Orleans, um, outside uh, in the Chicago suburbs. And so we're really, uh, uh, expanding the, 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 the principles of storytelling and connecting with an audience and telling urgent uh, narratives uh, to young people across the U.S. So if I was a, a young person or younger um, <laughs> and I came to you and I said, you know, hey, wait, I heard about the storytelling project. What do I need to do? How do I get involved? How can you help me get involved with the storytelling project? What would you tell me? 
Mm. We, we generally reach out to community organizations, but Drew, I'd love to hear if, if, if a young person is listening to this uh, podcast, what would you say to them to start telling their story? Well, I would think about um, the beauty of storytelling. I think there's such a, a magic in being vulnerable and transparent and sharing our experiences with one another. Like, I think especially right now with the pandemic, we've got election season, we got COVID, all these things happening. There's such a necessity of one, how are we experiencing these moments and how are we experience it to a place that there are similarities that many other folks are going through that sometimes we don't realize. Um, and I think that's the beauty of storytelling, right? Like you sharing your stories and you realizing and you being vulnerable. Also, there's other people that might have dealt with the similar situations or been in the same roads or the same, the same pathways. And they feel vulnerable enough to share as well too. Because I feel like once one person is vulnerable and transparent, it's like a ripple effect. Everybody else feels safe and comfortable enough to open up. Um, and I think that's ultimately what I want, what I'm hoping for with, with the work that I'm doing is just allowing people to feel they have a safe space to tell the things that are impacting them right now. And how can we use that to craft that into some, some form of art, be that poetry, be that uh, solo devised piece, be that monologues, whatever it may be, but how can we get these stories out in a way that is crafting some art? But Drew, that's got to take a lot of like them trusting you and you trusting them. So how do you like pull that kind of trust out of them? What do you do to build that trust? Um, I mean, I think one, I'm a very transparent person. I'll tell you from the jump, like as I come into uh, classroom spaces or just in spaces, because I am the quote unquote teacher and I'm going to use these air quotes, um, I think sometimes we can, as teaching artists, we can get lulled, or educators, we can get lulled in this idea that I must know everything because I'm the quote unquote teacher, which I think that is, I completely disagree with that. Um, I think for me, I always come in the space letting folks know, yo, I'm the teacher, but I'm gonna learn just as much from you as you gonna learn from me. And I'm excited to learn from you, right? There's so much like experience that you have in your life that I am excited to hear about and I'm excited to learn from. And hopefully if we have this give and take, there's a comfortability in knowing that like, Drew is not going to be like a judgmental space. This is not, he's not going to write you off. Like he's going to be a space to really encourage you and also really want to listen to you and hear you out. Um, and I think another thing is making sure that you feel centered in the work. Um, because I think for me as an artist and like, you know, in my education background and, you know, going to school for theater and all these things, like there was many times where I didn't feel centered or seen in programs. Um, and so that's something that I always make sure that I focus on. How do I make sure the student feels centered? And what do you mean by centered, Drew? I, uh, when I say centered, I, I mean that like the work feels like it is culturally relevant. Um, the work feels like it is it is showcasing uh, things that directly affect you and your experiences in life. Um, things that affect your community, things that affect your background, right? Um, and I feel like for me, in my educational background, there were so much things that were so Eurocentric that me as a black, as a black kid, I was just like, oh, well, this is not for me. You know what I mean? And I don't want that, right? And, and not to say that's just for black folks, like black or brown, whatever you are, like, I want to make sure that the, the work that I'm bringing in the room, you feel centered, you'll, you feel seen, and, and you feel like, this is something that I can latch on and keep building upon. You want to make sure it's relevant to them. Yes. 
So what's the background of some of the kids that you guys are working with? Great. Uh, so we maybe we maybe we start with Drew, the 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 group that you're working with at the the high school outside of Chicago. Yeah. So I am working with uh, Dundee Crown High School. Um, it is in Carpentersville, Illinois. Uh, so it's in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and the 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 group is it's a couple of different clubs. So they have a um, LGBTQIA club as well as a poetry club and a theater club. So it's a combination of like three different clubs here. Um, but uh, the focus is centering around like identity, community and collective organizing. Um, and how can we use that in artistry? Um, and so it's about like, I would say right now we had our last, our first class last week and we have about 12 students. Um, and I think there's gonna be a few more that jump in today for our class. So I think overall we'll have about 15 to 20 students. So how do these organizations come to you? Like, how do you find them? Sometimes we proactively reach out uh, and just do a, a cold call and say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Or is your organization interested? And sometimes they hear about us through the grapevine. And the more and more that we're expanding this program, that is is becoming the case where they come to us. And, you know, Drew's working with high school students. Uh, we work with university students, college students. We also um, are partnering with an organization called QDEP, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk more about that organization in a, in a future uh, story. But that's the Queer Detainee Empowerment Project, and that's working with folks who are coming out of immigration detention centers who are facing a lot of trauma uh, in their life and uh, helping them tell their story to their community and to the, the world at large. So we really run the gamut and we're so fortunate to be working with folks like Drew who have such in-depth experience working with people who have not been centered in the conversation. So that's what I'm really excited about. And obviously, um, we have been kind of on a lockdown for a while and things are sort of, you know, branching out a little bit where people are getting out and about a little bit more, but all of this is virtual because you guys are stationed in New York, correct? So everything you're doing is virtual. What's the challenge with not being able to like physically see somebody when it comes to combining this, this art uh, and the creativity? Well, there's a lot of challenges, right? Because I think you, when you're in a space with people, there is more opportunity to be like, how can I, how can we build something in one physical space? Um, and I think, a, but a beautiful challenge that it's setting up is how do we expand our, our imagination of what can be created in this virtual component, right? So I talked about like poetry, but I also talked about like solo devised work. And so thinking about like, all right, so we're here on during this call and we're using things like Zoom and, you know, StreamYard, all these different platforms. And it's like, how do you tell a story in ways that that you are expanding both the storytelling, but also how someone is viewing the story, right? Like, how can you change the idea of like, maybe am I thinking about like lighting now? And maybe I'm thinking about how can I use my space around me to help tell my story, right? There's all these like new ideas that beforehand we never really be, had to think about. Um, and I think because of it, I think we're going to really foster a new generation of art makers and storytellers um, because we're using, we're locked into this virtual setting right now. What's kind of cool right now is that we can reach a wider audience so we can amplify these stories 
across time and space. Um, often we record the final performances. And so students and participants can share them with their friends and family. They can post them on social media. Uh, so that's really exciting. Also, um, obviously we're trying to pivot and, and learn how to, to teach storytelling in an online space. Like most of the, of the educational world is making that pivot. But what's kind of cool is some of the, the tools and, and uh, uh, things that are embedded in things like Zoom. So we just did a final performance last week um, with a group of students and they were live chatting through the entire performance and they were chatting with each other and with the audience about the person who was telling the story. Oh. So it, it moved it from sort of a one-way presentational experience to a interactive dynamic conversational experience, which I found really exciting. Yeah, I was just adding to that. I think there is something beautiful about, you know, in that theater space. For me, I think about like theater as like, as like church, right? And I, I grew up in like a very like black church, very like, you know, people talk back, right? And I think in this virtual setting, in the chat, like folks allowing the, 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 the art to be alive, like to be able to like resonate how I feel and be in conversation with folks in different places through that chat, uh, which is really beautiful. And afterwards, after, you know, the, each performer, because I was also on that call as well, like each performer has the opportunity to go back and see the love that's been placed in that chat, right? Like you can see the snap, you can see the, okay, you can see that like, that was dope, like all those things, which I think is really beautiful right now. And that was an unexpected um, aspect of this art. Yep. Absolutely. So what were some of the, can you, can you remember, or can you share with what some of the artists that you trained helped, what did they talk about? What were some of the topics? Hmm. It's, it's, it, it, it really ranged the gamut. And I was actually kind of surprised how diverse it is. But even when I teach it in an in in-person session, it, the things that people share are always surprising from um, tenuous personal relationships to discovering things about themselves that either they had hidden away or didn't know about themselves. Sometimes it gets a little dark and they share very sensitive information. And I'm curious, and the more we do this, I'll, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if people are gonna be more apt to disclose that sensitive information in an online space, or are they gonna feel less likely to disclose that sensitive information. I think it's too early to know yet. Even as I'm teaching college classes, I think there are a lot of pros and, and there are some cons. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it just takes time to experiment with with the form. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it, it ranges. And, and the stories that we're getting in online space kind of mirror what we get in an in, in-person space. Drew, I don't know if that's that's been your experience as well. No, I think that's exactly been my experience. And I think there's also something there's something too about like being able to be in a space in your own space as you're sharing that like makes it a little bit more comfortable in a way if home is a safe space for you right um so yeah i i agree with you on that like i'm in my room i'm comfy i'm cozy you know i it seems almost like um and i talk with my niece about this the things that younger people share online are sometimes so uncensored and so um, they're so vulnerable. And even conversations I've had with young people that I'm like, why didn't you tell me this to my face? You know, why didn't we talk about this? I didn't know you were going through this. 
but I had to read it online that you're struggling with this or you're thinking about this or you're afraid of this. So what I have to ask you guys is, can you think of, and if this is fair, can you think of a one particular student or one particular story that touched you specifically? Yeah, I can. I can jump in there immediately. So um, this is a story. Well, okay, I'm going to say this is a story that actually happened to me last semester, um, but it really touched me a lot. So I was working with a middle school group and we were uh, writing a play together. And there was um, this was maybe after the heels of George Floyd. Um, and so there was, you know, we had all these feelings and me even being vulnerable, like, you know, I was like, you know, today is a very interesting day, even as me as an educator. Right. And, um, and so I was just allowing us to talk about what were some things that we were feeling and some things that we were like, how are we showing up today? Like, what is, what is those things? And I had one student who asked me a question about they had, well, two students, one student asked me a question about what is the difference between protesting and looting? which I was like, that's a powerful question right there. And then it was another uh, student who asked the question, who was saying that their, their parents were uh, law enforcement and they didn't understand the concept of defunding the police, right? And these were like two like explosive things that were like, whoa, big questions. But also there's beauty in you asking that question and sharing it out loud. And so as we began to talk about it, we were able to, for the defund of the police, we were able to um, talk to them. And so I'm also an organizer as well too. And so also allowing them to hear that, like for me, like the concept of defunding the police is like, how do we put money into community organizations that can do some work and, and also do more work than we have seen as the black and brown community and the law enforcement itself, right? And there was a beautiful conversation that the class was able to have about like, how do people feel about law enforcement? Like what is people's response? Right. And the, and the, and the response is varied, right? Like there's people like, yeah, like my parents are law enforcement or I, I have a really great relationship with law enforcement. And there were some students who were like, nah, I don't, I don't really have a, I don't, I don't like the police. Like the police scare me. Right. And so how do we hold all those truths in one room together and allow that to be there? And then, what we were able to do was we kind of shifted our play to incorporate some concepts around how do we feel about police in our schools? Um, and so that was a beautiful kind of situation that happened of a student one being vulnerable, but also thinking about those questions and how can we use those questions to kind of craft some art out of it. So, so Drew, help me understand what does it look like in, in your virtual classroom? So if I'm, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of closed off and I don't know what I'm expecting, mm -hmm. help me understand how, what the class looks like. Okay. Um, so usually with my classes, I always start with a check-in. I always am interested in hearing how students are showing up in the space. Um, like what's your day looking like, right? And of course I have like a few like check-in questions that will kind of popcorn around. Um, but Give I, me an example. Okay, so like um, I'm gonna ask if you were a type of pizza, what type of pizza would you be, right? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. <laughs> why pepperoni, right? Like what? Like what particular? Why pepperoni is is your type of pizza for today? Ah, okay. You know what I mean, 
uh-huh. think about like these checking questions that may be like super simple or super like, oh, they don't really mean nothing, but they can, ex- they can, they can showcase a little bit about a person, right? And you can learn something about how someone's showing up in the day, how someone's feeling, what are, you know, what are those things? And so from there, we usually kind of transition into like some kind of icebreaker. Um, and uh, like? icebreaker, icebreaker, like um, I got a game that's called what's on your playlist, right? So I will pick, uh, we will, I'll ask for two contestants, right? And um, what I will do is I will give them a topic, right? So the topic could be like, What's one song that's going to get your grandmama dancing at the cookout, right? What's that one song, right? And so they got 30 seconds to give me the song and the artist name, right? And then the rest of the, the class will become the judges, right? And so we're going to play 30 seconds of each song uh, and allow the, the audience, the, the rest of the class, to judge which option they, they thought should be on our playlist, right? Uh, and it's a simple game, but, like, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good vibe. People love it. They have a great time. Um, but it's also a way to also think about, like, what are songs that have a deep relationship to us? Like, what are some songs that, you know, like, you know, I, I, I remember asking, like, what was what's your what's the song that makes you think about your mama right and i had one student who played this song who gave me a song that was like uh uh maria maria uh by santana and i was like wow that makes you think about your mama and 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 like this the class was like really like that song and um and the student was like yeah like my my mom that was a song that my mom played all the time and she always had it going and so every time i hear that song it makes me think about her it makes me think about uh cooking on sundays and she would just be in the kitchen whipping it up and listening to that song right and so thinking about what are the the relationships that we have with music the music can take us to certain places and each of us have different relationships with it right so we go from an icebreaker to like today's class. We're going to talk about um, we're still we're we're still moving through poetry and thinking about identity. Um, and so I have uh, I usually start with a free write. Um, and so the free write for today is uh, what are ten things that you learn from either COVID nineteen or you learn from this presidential election about yourself. And so. Students can have like, you know, five, seven minutes, however much time I give them. And my question, my challenge to them with a free write is after you've given these answers, which you can easily give, you know, you could give me one word answer and that could be it, right? Um, My challenge to you is how do I keep adding detail to my answers throughout the entire seven minutes, right? Like how do I challenge myself to keep writing and question the why did I choose these answers? and hopefully so you're training them how to critically think. Yeah, how to critically think, but also how to uh, how do I as a writer give myself more detail? Like how do I give myself more meat to my cho- my choices? And I just want to um applaud Drew's skill at pulling stories out of people. As as you heard, he'll 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 start with very what seems like just frivolous innocent activities, but what you don't realize as you're doing these activities is that you have stories inside of you, buried inside of you. Some are deeper than others. And Drew is very, very savvy at getting you um, and and provoking you to spill your stories and disclose in a safe and supportive environment. 
I have found, Dorada, I don't know if this has been your experience, but you know, um, young people are, are a little self-conscious about telling their stories. And, uh, and, and it's up to us to get them to relax and disclose. So who is the audience for these stories? Hmm. That's a really good question right there. I think, I think the audience, here, here's an answer I'm gonna give and I would love to hear Travis's answer as well too. But I think for me, I think about creating the work for myself first before thinking about an audience. Like how am I crafting the, the story for myself or, I'm, or I'm, I'm in a journey of learning something for me first. And that's, that could be like poetry, that could be like monologues I'm writing, like it'd be anything. Like what is it, what am I getting out for Drew first? And then as I do that, I think the other question of the audience that becomes a little bit easier, but I don't, I, I think it sometimes can be dangerous to think immediately audience first versus like, no, I'm writing this for me, right? Like I'm writing this to learn something about myself first. Yeah, I think it can depend on on the storyteller. Sometimes young people tell it for their peers. Sometimes they tell a story to please the instructor. Sometimes they tell a story specifically for a family member. Just last week, uh, we had uh, a young person tell a story specifically for their mother. Now they delivered it in public, but I later learned it was for their mother. That, that was the target audience for that particular story. So how is Life Jacket Theater Company going to use the stories from these youngsters, or are you? I don't know if we have a specific end goal as to how we're going to use the stories. I, I, I like to think of it as we're giving back to the community. We're sharing um, what we love, our passion for human storytelling, and um, sharing that with the new generation and helping them uh, discover their voice and amplify those voices. So there's no big presentation. There's no online presentation. It's just a way to um, get people to express themselves or get youngsters to express themselves. Always at the end of a workshop, um, we do a either a shareback or a um, a public performance. Drew can talk a little bit about what he does um, as a way to celebrate their growth, their progress. And again, amplify those stories. Uh, there's, there's, it's a, it's a thrilling adventure because usually they they cover four to five weeks, and it's amazing through the art of storytelling how connected they they get to one another and how much you learn about each other. Drew, do you want to talk about what you like to do at the the tail end? Yeah, yeah, no. So like I like I also am really interested in seeing how the work transitions right so like for me i'm oftentimes just giving you tools along the way and then once we get closer to the end now i'm like okay now's your time we're gonna do like a final kind of performance or a share out or um, open mic and now is your time to kind of go back and review maybe what were some of the tools that like we made together that i'm now interested of like throwing it into performance now you know what i mean and so but like each each like each class i'm probably going to give you maybe two or three little free write options that you can build upon as we keep going right so when you get to the the final performance you can feel like i have so much in my repertoire like i have so many options that i can pull from right um and of course hopefully by that last week we can nail down like which is the option that you really want to choose from but 
I think I, I, I realize that for some people, they, there's a nervousness about performing. Like, I don't know what I can perform. I don't, I don't have stuff to perform. And I always want to make sure people feel equipped to be like, yo, I got, I, got a, I got a whole toolbox, you know what I mean? And I can pick which tool I'm trying to pull out today. So. And, and we know what the students are getting out of this. Can I ask both you, Drew and Travis, what are you getting out of this? Uh, I think for me, I am, um, so this, the workshop that I'm doing for Dundee Cron High School is called Radical Imagination. And um, it is thinking about how do we use, you know, community identity and collect, uh, collective organizing as ways to fuel our storytelling. And I hope that for me, students feel a spark to continue writing and sharing their stories. Right. Like, I hope that like when this workshop is done, it's not the end that you put the paper down. Like, I hope that you continue to find, um, I don't know, find joy in telling writing and find joy in sharing your stories. Because I ain't gonna lie to you, I got some dope writers already. Right. So I'm like, yo, like, don't let this be the last time. You know what I mean? And of course, we might not see each other, but I hope to see you out there one day. Continue to share, continue to build, continue to create, um, because I mean, I think that's that's the way that art always keeps living is by other people wanting to take it up and be like, I'm going to craft something now and I'm going to pass it around. You know what I mean? Like an imaginary ball that keeps getting passed. Yeah. I would, I would echo those, those beautiful sentiments. Um, I remember as a kid in seventh grade, I think it was, I grew up in a small town in Indiana and um, this teaching artist came in one summer and it was a, a five week workshop and and she taught us poetry and it it turned a light on inside of me about telling my story and telling my story in an artistic way and helping me realize that I do have an artistic voice and it's okay to express it. And so as Drew said, you never know who's in that group. You never know if you're gonna inspire um, a, a, a burgeoning poet or a playwright. I think we have an obligation to empower young people to find their artistic voice. I want to thank Travis Russ and Great. Drew Drake. This has been wonderful. Part of the Storytelling Project and the Life Jacket Theater Company. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you.